So Michelle, we all know you have the best tips, but Ooh. look, you can't possibly be everywhere to help everyone. That's where an authorized Disney vacation planner can be a lifesaver. And luckily for you, we just happen to know the best. That's Nate, of course, from Main Street and more travel. Oh yeah, Nate is the best. And with things changing at the parks, resorts, and of course the high seas all the time, it's so hard to keep up even for me. Well, that's not true. Yeah, but Nate is always right on top of every move Disney makes so he can help you have the best vacation ever. Oh, for sure. If you're looking to visit Walt Disney World, Disneyland, sail the seas on Disney Cruise Line, or even explore anywhere in the world beyond Disney, our friend Nate from Main Street and More Travel can help make your vacation dreams come true. No question, sweetie. And if you've listened to our show for any time at all, you know we're big fans of high-end experiences. And that's just what you get when you work with Nate. He'll give you concierge-level vacation planning services, but at no additional cost to you or your family. Heck, you may even save money if discounts become available because Nate is always looking to make sure you get the best deal possible. And did we mention all of this comes at no extra cost to you? That's because it's Disney that pays Nate for all that top-notch service he provides so you don't have to. So if you're looking for the best person to plan your magical vacation, just go to DizTripsAndMore.com, fill out the form on the website to get the process rolling on your next fabulous trip with Nate. And be sure to tell him Tom and Michelle sent you. Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my wonderful, intelligent, very hardworking, super gorgeous <laughs> Disney of the Wait. 50s and 60s loving wife and co-host, Michelle. Thank you. Hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Friday, March 17th, 2023. I know you're listening to this well afterwards, but happy St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, everybody. <laughs> exactly. St. Patrick's Day for us. That's right. Uh, this episode is dropping on Sunday, March 19th, 2023. We do hope you had a wonderful, fun, and safe St. Patrick's right. Day holiday. Hopefully you're wearing the green and enjoyed it. Yeah. We did. Mm -hmm. We did for sure. We are. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should say because we are having it today. <laughs> but I'll just go to the future. We did. There you go. We had a great St. Patrick's Day. You're so special. Yes, we're like off that. to a great start. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. So the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... We'd love for you to sign up for the newsletter if you please, haven't done so yet. Please sign up for the newsletter. It's Thanks a great way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures Podcast world. And Michelle has some great information going out every single week oh, on that you. newsletter. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, we love hearing from you on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast. Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. As a matter of fact, we got a comment from one of our wonderful mm -hmm. Hyperion Adventurers on that Facebook group, kind of adding to last week's episode where it was our, you know, the best of the Disney parks at night. That's right. just from Scott in Minnesota. He wanted to mention that one of his favorite Disney attractions at night 
is the Jungle Cruise. I know. He was so spot on as I, you know, and I, I did respond to him that because I just thought, how could we have forgotten that? You well, know? I'll tell you how we forgot that. It's because, um, it, since I did the attractions, <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I mean, I guess some people like the Jungle Cruise more at night. And I get what Scott was saying is yeah. that it kind of adds to the danger of it. Right. I got it. But I like the Jungle Cruise during the day more than I'd like it in the evening. I think you can see more. You can see more of right. the... The flora, the fauna, right. the animals, you know, and everything else. I kind of, that's, I think since I was choosing it, I just, my personal opinion, and that's what it was all about. Right. Everybody loves things different to different levels. Sure. Um, the Jungle Cruise, I like during the day more. It's great at night. I right. like it more during the day. Personally. Yeah, I, I get both sides. Yeah. yeah. I, me too. Yeah. Me too. Totally. I get it. It's totally cool. So that's just just yeah. why it wasn't yeah. on Yeah, I was glad he shared it. Though. Yeah, for sure. That's what we wanted. To, yeah. We wanted you to share um, what you enjoy right. more at night. Just because I'm, it's not, I don't enjoy it as much at night as I do during the day. Doesn't mean that that's true of everybody. Right. And I don't want it to be true of everybody. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, they just run it during the day. Yeah. What would be the point? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. Also, we are on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion Adventures Podcast, or you can just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you hit subscribe, you'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know if you have any questions. For sure. For sure. Now, before we get into this week's show, you know, we always like to look back at the week that was, and we focus mostly, as we do on everything on this show, on the positivity that was revolved around the week that was what was great from this week what was the highs what were the peaks what was the best thing from this week and when we do this we always start with michelle because you know <laughs> she does the best research you're just about to hear it you know she has the best lists i think you might hear something about that next week <laughs> and another thing you'll hear this week she definitely has the best tips but one thing she almost always has as well is the best. My favorite thing from this week. So, Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week? Wow. Like oh, I say now, a lot of times there's a lot of things to choose from. But I think today's celebration of St. Patrick's Day with family. Um, and We're looking forward to that. It's yes, going to be fun. Yes. Mm -hmm. With my sister and brother-in-law and my brother-in-law's uh, sister and brother-in-law, and uh, which we've known for a long time now. It's just great getting all of us together and having fun. It's going to be interesting for your brother-in-law's sister. Boy, this is really convoluted yeah. trying to say this. Your brother-in-law's sister and... Brother-in-law. <laughs> and her husband. Right. Uh, is, are, they've experienced our house as it was being built. Right. You know, they got to come out here a couple of times and visit it while we were on the West Coast and we could not experience it. Right, right. So they've seen this house when it was kind of bare bones and not completely put together. Now this is going to be their first time to check it out as yeah. it's been completed. Right, right. Well, so. Except for we still have some things to do in the house, but the house itself right, is completed. Built. Yes, yes, yeah. for so sure. No, exactly. And yeah, happy to be able to uh, to show them and and. Tell them in person how much we appreciate it that they sent us those pictures. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Because for a long time, that was the only way we saw what yeah. was going on as our house was being built is when either your uh, your sister and brother-in-law or your brother-in-law's sister and her husband right. would come on and, and check the place right. out and My send niece. us pictures. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That'd be the only way we could, we, we knew right. what was going on with our house <laughs> except for our occasional trips out here. So very nice. Very yeah. nice. What about you? What's your favorite I have several of my favorite things mm -hmm. from this 
week. And I'm going to start with, well, we're, we talked about it on last week's episode. The reason we recorded early is because on the day the episode dropped, we were heading out to Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. to uh, do our AP preview of Tron light cycle run so we got to experience that last week and let me tell you it was a lot of fun right michelle it, it, it's just not my thing yeah <laughs> i don't know if it's completely my thing either anymore <laughs> not the way it used to be but i i i did enjoy myself just the same cool. yeah cool. i think michelle had her eyes closed for most of it i can appreciate the technology and yeah some of the cool stuff about it but yeah, yeah. so uh, let me just talk a little bit about that since we this will be kind of our, our review right. of it. Uh, it was cool. It was, you know, there was a lineup to get in. Then we, our window was from 1030 a.m. to 1130 a.m. We got to Magic Kingdom just a little bit before that. Pretty much that was the first thing we did. Uh, went in, you know, scanned in, you got in there and you, you approached that whole area that we've seen being built for right. years now. Finally completed. And it was just kind of the anticipation or yeah. the fear uh, grew yeah. as you got closer <laughs> to it. But it was cool to watch it as uh, you go in under the canopy right. and it, it you could see the, the light cycles go around you and everything and yeah you know, it was it was really fun to approach in that regard right yeah that that area is very cool looking and um Unfortunately, uh, we didn't get to see it lit up at nighttime, but yeah. it's still cool. Uh, we've seen the it day. lit up at we night have. from afar. Right, right. We just didn't, our, our preview was not for yeah. night, unfortunately. Right. But I kind of liked that it wasn't it. <laughs> you didn't have to build up to it all day. It was right. just kind of over in the morning. Yes, before, yes. You know. Uh, so, you know, you got in there, went to the queue, you scanned in again to make sure that there was no, you know, funny business going on. Um, you got inside, I'm not going to give, we're not going to spoil anything for you, but I will say you go through some unique spaces. Mm -hmm. There's a room you enter where something really phenomenal, like a, it's a, it's a really cool experience happens, um, that I actually took my breath and made me go, wow. Right. I was not expecting that to happen. Yeah, that was really really neat it was a it was a it was a cool experience uh then you go in and you go to those and you probably have seen um somewhere online the lockers that you you put a lot of your they want you to put a lot of your stuff in there so you're not carrying them on the light cycle itself um that you just use your magic band on and um and and those were really uh really easy to use magic band or a park um card they do have um, right you can go to another section and somebody will help you there and that they'll have temporary cards that right. you can use you to can access use, and locker. you can return those later on right. uh, best thing you can do is kind of pick a number you remember right. um, when you go through there but uh, what i was seeing on the way out as well as it looked like and i didn't use these to verify it but it looked like they had screens there that if you tapped your card or tapped your magic band and in case you forgot which number you were it would tell you which number you oh, were so cool. you can go on this so um, don't hold me to that because i didn't try it but that's what it looked like yeah, there because I yeah. could see where a lot of people would be completely forget. I mean, right. you can't remember where you parked. Yes. Why would you remember which I locker know, number right. you put, put your stuff into? So, but onto the attraction yourself, you go into the area, it's lit up just like you, it feels very much mm-hmm. like you're in the world of Tron when you go in there. Uh, you get on these, uh, the, the, the light cycles themselves and they kind of, you, you kind of pull the bars in towards you and the back panel goes on you and, and kind of secures you in place. Right. Kind of somewhat a little bit like 
Pandora. Yeah, it very much has that feel. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of very similar in other regards. Only right. this thing is actually moving, whereas Pandora is eh, right. it's moving. It's but not really going anywhere, though. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and then you take off. And let me tell you, when you get to that launch, you take <laughs> off. I mean, you go. They say that this is the fastest attraction at mm-hmm. Walt Disney World. You feel it on that launch. You feel the G-forces, right, Michelle? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the one good thing is I think the countdown being shorter yeah. <laughs> than like a rock and didn't roller didn't build coaster. up the heart rate so yeah. much. <laughs> that was one thing I appreciated about it. Uh, but it was cool. Uh, that my, my favorite part was that launch because, man, you go and it's the, it's right at the beginning. It's what you see at the beginning. It's right after the launch mm-hmm. is when you go out to the uh, go out to under to the out, outdoor portion of, of the attraction. And then you go back inside and there's some cool effects as you're quote unquote racing the other right. team your team blue breaking gates their team the yellow and um it's really fun it's a fun attraction now i will say for this i'm getting older i'm getting to be an old man <laughs> oh. my equilibrium is not what it used to be and it still gets affected by this so i don't know i, I while well, i had a great time i don't know how much like i'd be doing this attraction every single time but i think a lot of people will love it it is a bit short but i thought it was the perfect length as a matter of fact it was especially perfect for me because I think if it had been any longer, I might have had a, like a, an effect like I had on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic right. Rewind where um, maybe the motion sickness that I suffer mm-hmm. from occasionally um, would have taken over. But this was just the perfect amount of time for me that I can enjoy the attraction without it that overwhelming me and being what I remember most out of it. Right. I do think that, um, you know, in, here in Florida, the pollen count is tremendous right now it's sure. really really crazy and I, and I think we both have some sinus things going on you well, just got I over just got the over the flu. flu so um some of that might have been influenced by yeah I've, your, I've your just, it's just one of those things I've noticed over the last I mean I used when I was in my you know, late teens, early twenties, man, I could go on all those coasters and I loved them. Mm-hmm. And now as I get a little older, like every coaster affects me a little bit more than it used to. Yeah. Uh, even some of the smaller, you know, lighter coasters, like I don't mind going on big thunder or right. slinky dog dash or whatever, mm-hmm. but even those affect me to a point yeah. that, uh, it's just, it's just not my wheelhouse like it used to be because right. I'm an old man now. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for me, I mean, I've always had a fear of roller coasters from when I was a child. I remember that. Um, you know, in, in some cases, um, I experience them several times and I get over it, you know, like Matterhorn. I remember when, you know, I first went on Matterhorn, I was scared, but it's because I didn't know what to expect. Right. And now I love Matterhorn. Yeah, you love the Matterhorn. You love yeah. Big Thunder Mountain. Right. I mean, there's the, the coasters you don't love, but right. you love those ones. Right. I remember um, Space Mountain. Yes. I, I kept thinking it's not hyper because that's in the East Coast, West Coast. So Space Mountain, I remember the first time I went on that, I remember, and I was dating somebody and I remember getting off and saying, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and yet now I like it. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. See, But that one does, ha- that one affects me a little bit. Right. I feel a little queasy afterwards, but I can shake it off. Yeah. Usually. And I was able to shake this one off. Um, like I said, I, I don't know. I'm more likely to go on Tron again than I am on Cosmic Rewind, mm-hmm. uh, but it'll mm-hmm. depend on who I'm going with. I don't think like we'll be looking to get a virtual queue for Tron right. every time we're set to go to Magic Kingdom, right. but with some friends, with some family, that want to 
want to go on it, I'd be willing to go sure. on it again. I did have a good time. I did enjoy myself. Like I said, it was the perfect <laughs> length of time for me. Um, if for some of you out there, I know there's been some complaints about the shortness of this attraction. It may not be as long as you would like, but I, I feel like it's the perfect amount of time for the excitement. And let me just tell you that launch makes the whole attraction. It is, is so cool the way you, 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 you shoot off on that light cycle to begin with. Yeah. And I, I think that the queue was kind of oh, yeah. cool entertainment stuff. Maybe not quite as much as Pandora does. Right. I think Pandora and, uh, like Millennium Falcon, they have a lot more, right. but this is, has a few things that are kind of cool. Right. For sure. So, uh, bottom line is it maybe is not the attraction for us, but we enjoyed it just the same. And we really, really think that you'll enjoy it. If you're, uh, you know, a Tron aficionado or a coaster aficionado, I think you'll really like this. One. Right. Right. And even if you go during the daytime, there is inside part that's yeah. in the dark part, yeah. dark ride. So it's not, uh, you know, um, you still experience the, you know, that feeling of being on the grid. Right. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So very cool. Uh, a couple other favorite things from this week. Michelle did a fantastic job and she nabbed us passes to destination <laughs> D23. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, sweating. <laughs> yes. It's always that with all these events, but Michelle did a fantastic job and got us passes. Unfortunately, we had some friends. That weren't as oh, lucky. Was so sorry. We were heartbroken for them because I know they were excited oh, to go. So, so um, uh, by the way, we do have some friends that would still like to go. So if you have some extra passes or know somebody with some extra passes, um, we're putting the feelers out right now for them that they, we have, we know some people that would like to go and I'm sure they would pay for those, those passes. Yeah. So um, hit us up, social media, Gmail, if you know. We will contact those people for him. Also, uh, Ted Lasso is back. Yeah. I was excited for Ted Lasso. Right. It's not Disney, but we love Ted Lasso yeah, and the positivity show. from that show. And we're excited that that came back. Right, right. And, you know, getting to see another episode of Bad Batch and Mandalorian. Of course. Always, good, always right? good. Always good. Every single week, for sure. So. Let's go ahead and move on to this week's show. I got lots of stuff for you this week, including, well, it's mostly revolved around some new things that are coming to the Walt Disney World Resort. Lots of news that from the Walt Disney Resort, World Resort that came out this week, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But that's later. Let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week. This is always interesting. I love it when we get into Michelle's research projects. <laughs> and I mean, we've been doing this for several weeks now, several weeks within various months as we count down, of course, to the Disney at 100, the 100 years of wonder segment. And um, I always learn something new. And so that's why I really, really love this segment, Michelle. What are we doing? Uh, what are we focusing on today? Okay. So um, in this episode, uh, we're going to talk mainly about the 1960s-ish. Um, I'm going to go back one year to the 1959 to start. Um, but before we dive into this, I thought I really just wanted to take a moment to recognize the incredible Rolly Crump. Uh, we all know he had an amazing career at Disney, and it's kind of interesting that this episode happens to be during a time when when Rolly was um, starting into wed 
enterprises and making some really incredible impacts on what was happening in the company at this time. So, um, yeah, he had a, it's, it's terribly sad to lose him, but yeah. he's had an incredible career and incredible life. Um, it was one of the main people behind many of the mm -hmm. classic attractions that you know that you love and uh, just an interesting very interesting guy right. so exactly. it's a shame to lose him but yeah. uh, I know he's building something up there in the sky uh, that's going to be interesting yeah. and fun for everybody yeah. up there <laughs> yes I'm sure I mean plus he's back with Walt so yes, that's a, a good sure. thing a for good sure. thing so alright so let's get move on with this uh, What I kind of labeled it in my head with the best of times and worst of times. Um, you know, we're here to celebrate the amazing hundred years of storytelling. So I'm not going to make it sad or anything. Um, but it was a time of so many amazing inno innovations. Is that the word? I'm always yeah, innovations. Yeah. <laughs> like imagineering. <laughs> Fantasmic and things like that. Okay, <laughs> am I using a real word or is this a made-up? Or is it a Disney word? Is it a Disney world yeah. word? That's what I mean. But anyways, um, some of this time period we've talked about in past episodes, and as always, we don't want to repeat anything. Um, so in this episode, we're really going to touch just on some highlights of that ten-year period um, and infuse maybe some storytelling in mm. about the storytellers. So, wow, very good. Yeah. I like that. Let's hope it goes well. <laughs> I have no doubt. It's one Michelle's of those research, the best research. <laughs> Michelle's storytelling, always the best storytelling. It's one of those things like, okay, in my head it sounds good, but what will come out? I don't know. But well, anyways. There's always some weird stuff going on in your head. That so is it's so okay. true. If it comes out onto our podcast, all the better. <laughs> so all the better. Hmm, I don't know about that, but okay. <sighs> so as I mentioned, for our purposes, we're going to start in 1959. One, it really kind of continues with our last episode where we, you know, we had just talked Talked about the opening of Disneyland and in 1959 there was a really big event at Disneyland um, so kind of makes a good starting point um, but going back to best of times thanks to Disneyland the company was really experiencing some great financial success um, and so they wanted to make some additions to the happiest place on earth. And in Walt's style, he decided to have a TV promo of this event. Mm -hmm. And he invited over 2,000 press, celebrities, and dignitaries for the special event. Mm -hmm. now, honey, do you happen to know what three things were launched at Disneyland in 1959? Oh, boy. You always I put can, me on the spot. I here. know. I can give you a little hint. Um Vice President Richard Nixon was there on hand for the event. Mm. Well, I remember the sh the videos of him riding the monorail, so mm -hmm. I'm going to go with that's uh, one of them. That's and as a right. matter of fact, you're wearing your monorail shirt right yeah. now, Disneyland monorail shirt. <laughs> so um, maybe that was a dead giveaway right yeah. there. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else was launched in 1959? Uh, was the Matterhorn one of that them? That is correct. Okay. Now the... Third one. Hmm, I'm drawing a blank on the third one. You're going to have to help the me out. The monorail kind of goes by it. Okay, it goes by a lot. I know. It's, it's, uh, a, is it it's the, a form of transportation and an oh, attraction. The, the people mover. No. No? Um, what could it be? <laughs> Are you talking about the, what, 20,000 leagues under the sea or the submarines? Well, submarine, yes. Yeah. At Disneyland, it wasn't themed under 20,000 right. leagues it was at Walt Disney World so yeah you got them all yeah <laughs> with a little help with a lot of help uh, uh, 
Oh man. But you know, as you know, mentioned, these are all great immersive storytelling experiences that people were going to now be able to, to have when they visited Disneyland. Um, And by the way, the the submarines, I know they weren't technically in uh, Disneyland known as 20,000 leagues under Mm -hmm. the sea, but there was a lot of storytelling within the attraction itself that would lead you to believe there's, you know, it referenced 20,000 leagues under the sea. Oh, very good. And hmm, that kind of makes sense with the little something I'm going to share. Okay. Very good. Um, but I'll start with first of all just the the event. As I mentioned, it was going to be a it was a big event. It was going to be televised. This one wasn't live like the uh, original opening of Walt Disney. Excuse me, of Disneyland. But they still did want to capture the the celebrations. Um, now you mentioned about seeing the picture of um, Vice President Richard Nixon riding the monorail, and um, and you may have seen that debacle of trying of his daughters trying to do the ribbon cutting where the scissors were, <laughs> you know, a, a real fail. <laughs> um, but there are some other little fun stories going on. So um, one of the dignitaries that was invited was Meredith Wilson who was the composer of the hit musical, The Music Man. Mm. And in fact, that was, during that time, in its first theatrical run on Broadway. No. Um, so he was sitting in this viewing stand area with Walt that was set up for special guests. And a parade was getting ready to start. Now, they brought back Art Linkletter to be the host of this um, special event. And when the parade was starting to come down Main Street, USA, he says, what do you see down there? Um, Meredith Wilson, would you come up here for a minute? So Mr. Wilson came to the front of the viewing stand. And then Art continued to say, I want to hear from an expert. You're Mr. Music Man. What do you see coming up the street? Now, this was a big surprise to Meredith Wilson. He was not aware this was going to happen, but when he looked down, he saw an all-brass band, <laughs> including 76 trombones, coming down Main Street, USA, playing the song um, 76 Trombones from his play. Um, a funny quote I, I, I found was that he said to somebody, I've been saying this all afternoon, but Walt Disney, when he does anything, he does it right, doesn't he? Listen to that band. Yeah. So Master showman, always. Yes, but that's not where the story ends. Okay. <laughs> As the band approached, Art again goes to Mr. Wilson and asks him to join him. And they had actually like a little stand in the street. And he asked Mr. Wilson to go up to the stand. And then the drum major came and took his hat off and gave it to Mr. Wilson, gave him his baton, and they asked Mr. (laughs) Wilson to conduct it. So it was, and the crowd went wild. I'm sure. The crowd went wild. I mean, not only was it cool just to have, you know, somebody who's done something on Broadway that's very famous you know, kind of do that. But that was kind of like the scene in the, in the play where, um, you know, the, the guy was trying to promote this band that really wasn't going to exist and was asked to conduct it. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a cute 
simulation of that. Right. And it was just, you know, it, it was a, another piece in the history of Disney where, you know, I mean, we, we go all the way through the candlelight processional, which has gone on starting at Disneyland and right. has moved on through the, the Walt Disney World Resort, of course, every single year that, uh, you know, we're bringing in celebrities to take on these roles and, and you know, bring their own flair to it. Right. And oh, that's and a good it's point. been going on for, as you can see, for decades. Right, right. You're absolutely right. And it's great that, you know, like, Walt wasn't trying to promote himself. It was what stories are we telling, and Walt's done plenty of of selling himself. (laughs) Right, didn't need to do it here. (laughs) Right, you know. But I thought that was really cool that that he did that for sure. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the submarines because that was again Mm -hmm. one of the things that was being um, launched literally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, that day. So, um, interestingly, it was just, uh, less than a year actually after the world's first real nuclear power submarine, uh, became the first ship to cross the North pole. So Walt invited, uh, Mrs. Mildred Nelson, who was the wife of the chief mechanist on that first nuclear power submarine little fun fact is that first submarine was named the USS Nautilus. Mm-hmm. And so Mrs. Nelson got to christen sub D dash 301, which was also named the Nautilus. Yes. So very cool. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, at that time, the, with these subs, uh, in, in Disneyland, Disneyland ended up de- deploying the eighth largest submarine fleet in the world. <laughs> Hard to believe. (laughs) A little little bit amazing. (laughs) Yes. Um, And during that official opening, and then over the summers of 1965 to 1967, um, actresses were hired to be mermaids. Yes. Um, I think you've mentioned that to me as well. Yeah, I never experienced them. Uh, Unfortunately, that was a little before my time, but I've seen so many pictures of it, and I just find it fascinating that they actually, you know, had mermaids out there flopping around on rocks. Right, exactly. what an, uh, uh, an amazing display that must have been. Sure, definitely. Yeah, that's what, um, so, you know, it was confirmed on the Disney Family Museum website that, that yeah, they would hire actresses over the summers just for a few hours each day and to be swimming, up, you know, above the water and lounging on the rocks, combing their hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice so it's time. one of those things that's gone now that uh, I, well, I never got to experience that, like I said, but another thing that's gone is the, the what they used to do when they used to have people every day scaling the Matterhorn. Right. You know, from yeah. the outside, they would actually be climbing with a rope up to the top of the Matterhorn. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, that was always fascinating when you would walk through the park and you're like, Oh, there they are. They're up there. Climbing. Yeah. You know, it was always yeah. fun. That's what I've heard too. And yeah. again, yeah. Well, I didn't go to Disneyland till I was an adult, but anyways, yeah. So speaking of Matterhorn, that was what I was going to kind of get into next. Um, fun fact is, um, they were inspired by the on location shoot of, uh, Walt's filming of third man on the mountain that was going to be released that same year. Mm. So, hmm. um, so the way the story goes is that Walt sent a postcard from the Swiss Alps, uh, where the filming was taking place, to Imagineer Vic Green, and he had a very simple message: "Vic, build this!" Mm-hmm. Exclamation point. Walt. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
one thing that I did find in a couple locations is how Walt and his team actually used the yes if principle when they were planning a project. Um, and the idea was to, you know, really help the project to be successful and be positive and to know what obstacles they needed to go through to make sure it was successful. So like, yes, this can happen if we do this first. Um, so real goal orientation mindset there and everything. And I just thought what a, a positive way, um, to approach, a, you know, something that you have to deal with and also to recognize that there are other maybe departments or any other things that have to be involved in. And so how do you make sure you're planning that appropriately? So I think that's one thing Walt and the whole Imagineering crew has always done very well is, is getting the team involved. And, you know, we learned a lot about that when we did the, you know, the lunch with an Imagineer right. back a few years back. I wish they would bring that back. I hope they do eventually yeah, at some point awesome. because it's a pretty interesting uh, thing, uh, experience for sure. Uh, but yeah, he talked about how, and we had some, um, some young people that were dining with mm -hmm. us that, you know, kind of wanted to become Imagineers right. eventually. And the one we were speaking with was like, yeah, you've got to be really well-rounded. I mean, of course you need to know engineering and, and storytelling and everything else, but there's all these other things that it's good to have some sort of base in right. uh, to move through here. And, it, it, you know, it, obviously it was great for these Imagineers, but they had so many wonderful teammates to help move these projects along and make them happen the way right. they did. Yeah. I mean, it goes with the, the culture, you know, kind of like the real open door to all the different departments culture. You know, um, I remember when we were watching Fun and Fancy Free and how this actor would just happen into these rooms and people would just like, oh, OK, he's here. Mm -hmm. But actually, again, going back to Raleigh Crump's book, he said that was something Walt really actually, you know, encouraged people go outside of your working world and look at other departments and you know share things and one you get to learn other things but more importantly you get to see how certain projects impact another department and so that can help with your designing of it and how ultimately you want it to work through and and then have those connections too. So yeah, pretty we, cool. We talked a little bit about Ted Lasso earlier today. I mean, I can quote, make a quote straight from Ted Lasso. Be curious, right? not judgmental. Exactly. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Good one, honey. So, um, yeah. So just rounding the, the thing about the, uh, Matterhorn bobsleds is the attraction is built to one, 100 scale of the original. Um, but it also turned out to be the first tubular steel continuous tracked roller coaster. So yeah. Paved the way for many of the roller coasters you know right. today. Uh, yeah. You don't think of it very much. You think of the Matterhorn as this kind of this icon within Disneyland Park that you can see from everywhere. You can see from the highway as you're driving by right. or whatever. It's such a it's such a wonderful thing uh, and unique to Disneyland. Right. Um, that uh, you don't think about it maybe and, and and you can think about the ride whatever you want. Is it jerky? Does do people come off there and there <laughs> can be a little sore at times? Sure. Uh, but this was such a groundbreaking attraction. In so many ways. Right. Yeah. And I loved how they situated it between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland because it kind of has elements of both of those things, right? The, you know, the Fantasyland of being transported to the Alps, but the Tomorrowland with the speed and kind of the, the roller coaster experience that you can mm -hmm. get. So. Yeah, and it's, it's got two different sides to it. I used to have two different lines. Um, now I think they pretty much just narrowed it down to one line 
And, you know, then, then they have the lightning lane, essentially, mm-hmm. where you can get in. But it used to be both sides. There'd be like the Fantasyland line and the Tomorrowland line oh, wow. to go into. And you kind of had to figure out which one was the best one, the Very shortest cool. one to get you through. <laughs> and you would ride different parts, sides of the attraction, depending on which one you want. Because there are different tracks. You don't, yeah. you don't make the same trip right. every time unless right. you happen to enter the same way every time. Right, right. That's cool. I didn't realize that. I mean, you, now you can still uh, experience that because they'll switch you to one track or the other, depending on where you are. I believe that's correct. It's been yeah. a little bit, but yeah. I believe that's right. But right. it used to be that depending on what sides you um, entered into the queue, oh, very cool. I think is what side you would be riding on the Matterhorn. Yeah. Oh, Awesome. All right. Well, um, another thing that was happening in 1959 was, um, you know, we know Walt was very interested in continuation of live action films at that time, but he released The Shaggy Dog starring Fred McMurray. Um, and it, it was a, a small budget film, but it actually was a massive hit. In fact, it was the second highest grossing film of the year. Wow. I know. But what this really kind of started was a connection between Walt and Fred McMurray. And Walt really kind of um, saw a lot of himself, I guess, in, in Fred McMurray. And he wanted him to be more involved in the movies. In fact, he had him as a leading character in 70 and seven to 70, no seven <laughs> Disney films. I was, I was, I was aghast there for a second. I'm like, really? I, I, had, I had no idea. He I did that many that. Disney films. <laughs> seven. But one notice notable one was, um, do you know which one I'm going to say? The Nutty Professor? No. Absent-minded professor. Yep. Um, And interestingly, this OG of that film was uh, actually uh, recorded in black and white, and that partly was to help the special effects look a little bit more realistic um, because they didn't have CGI back then. So a lot of, you know, wires and things like that. Of course, yeah. But I do have some fun facts about the absent Oh, I love Michelle fun facts. (laughs) Always the best fun facts. So um, the the song, The Absent-Minded Professor March is the title, but it's the Medfield College fight song, was the very first Sherman Brothers song heard in a Disney feature film. Ooh, yeah. Very cool. The other thing that was, I thought, hysterical was that the Medfield College, it was a fictitious school, was... Uh, featured an absent-minded professor, but it was also the backdrop for other films like Son of Flubber, obviously, but mm-hmm. Now You See Him, Now You Don't, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, <laughs> and The Strongest Man in the World. Wow. Yeah, they really stuck with that uh, theme. And the Epcot Journey into Imagination with Figment features a nod to the absent-minded professor um there is the medfield college jacket that you can see through a window uh it's in the transition area between sound and sight um but pretty cool um and the actress who played fred mcmurray's fiance in the original movie was actually asked to do a cameo period appearance as an executive secretary in the 1979 absent-minded professor remake flubber oh cool yeah interesting so now, you think that was all that was going on, but uh, no. <laughs> there was the 1960 Olympics that Walt was actually 
asked to be the chairman of pageantry um, for the California Organizing Olympic Committee uh, since the 1960 Winter Olympics Games were being held at Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. So uh, another opportunity to tell stories, right? Uh, So Walt was responsible for creating the opening and closing ceremonies for the first ever televised Winter Games. Who else would you pick? I know. Especially <laughs> know, in the U.S. I know. And we know he can do things live pretty well. But um, So his staff created really like new standards for these ceremonies. Um, and he brought out everything that you would expect. Marching bands, choirs. He did the dove release. Um, fireworks, flags dropping from parachutes. and a Singing pool. birds, pirates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but amazingly... He came up with the idea of the first Olympic village. Wow. Prior to that, when they had Olympics, they would just um, use local hotels mm-hmm. for the participants, but they created the Olympic village, um, as well as some other things. I mean, we could do a whole episode on the Olympics. Maybe we should. I know. Maybe I we know. Um, now, we, we touched on the parks, we've talked on live action, we talked on the Olympics, but let's not forget animated features, right? Now, one of the things that was interesting around this time frame is that the business community was really not very favorable to, to animated feature films. And they were kind of pressuring the company to maybe steer away from that line of business. They felt it was expensive and just took too long, but thankfully Walt wasn't in agreement with this and he was going to plunge forward. And uh, in 1961, 101 Dalmatian film was released um, and like I said, there was kind of concern. This had to be a hit and, but it was, it was, it grossed over 14 millions at the bo- $14 million at the box office. Uh, so it kind of proved Walt's theory that yes, uh, feature animation could be profitable and hit a broad spectrum of, of people who were interested in it. So yeah. 14 million doesn't sound like much nowadays when you hear about film, right. some films making billions, right. you know, but, but uh, 1961, yeah. if, yeah. you, if you extrapolate the money yeah. um, to what it was from then to what it would be now, um, I'm sure it was, you know, several hundred million dollars. Right. Exactly. So, um, uh, another thing happening around this time just happened to be another little thing is Walt and Roy established plans to create the California Institute of Art. So yeah. a lot of things happening with the company, um, you know, but uh, so now I'm going to skip a couple years from that point to 1963. And that's when they opened the Enchanted Tiki Room. Hmm. Uh, again, popular immersive storytelling even today. And, and well ahead of its time already. Yeah. You know? I mean, this was the first uh, audio animatronics that they had in, right. within the parks. And um, a lot of that was taken from, and I'm sorry if I'm stealing this from you, but I remember when we were in visiting Walt's office mm-hmm. uh, at the um, Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, that he had this little bird that they had brought back from uh, from their trip to South America. Mm-hmm. And it was this little um, electronic singing bird there. Right. And he was like, I want to make something like this. And exactly. that's how they eventually developed it. He got the Imagineers to develop into what we now know as Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Right. Correct. Spot on, baby. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Um, you may have heard this, too, that Walt initially wanted it to be a restaurant. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's one of the attractions, one of the only attractions over there that had a bathroom right mm-hmm. inside the right. attraction. Um, but as they were planning it, they started realizing the, that the 
the guests might stick around too long to keep watching the show and they couldn't they weren't going to be able to turn tables over uh quick enough so they they decided to make it the attraction um but some interesting little facts about that for the first 40 years of the attractions, the seating that was used were actually the original dining room chairs that they had planned to use that they welded together and bolted to the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that magic fountain, you know, that's Mm -hmm. in the center of the room, that was actually originally designed as a busing station, and it still has the storage compartments for, like, silverware and other things. (laughs) How funny. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um. Now, a couple other little things about it is that when it first opened, it was a ticket experience that was not included in the Disneyland ticket books. Um, The show was um, fully financed and owned by Walt Disney, and it required its own special ticket, which at the time costed 75 cents, (sighs) compared to the other e-ticket attractions like the Matterhorn bobsleds that was only 50 cents. Um, So they, they at first were having some difficulties getting people to understand why they're going to pay more and what it is because there was nothing else like it but obviously they were successful Mm -hmm. right um on june 23rd of this year we can actually be celebrating the 60th anniversary of that attraction pretty cool yeah so be sure if you're out there uh anytime around uh, june but definitely on the 23rd be definitely make an extra trip to the enchanted tiki room 60 years that's incredible yeah yeah Um, Another big thing that was going on were preparations for the 1964 New York World's Fair. And as I mentioned at the start, uh, we're not going to repeat things. We covered that pretty extensively. We have a really good episode on the World's Fair. Another Michelle research piece with Uh, some sound included in everything. It's a really good. Go back and find that episode in our archives. Um, I'm sorry I don't have the episode number right down here with me. But uh, just take a look back. You'll find it in our archives. It's a really, really good episode. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Yeah, enjoyed doing that one, too. But, uh, um, you know, and the reason I'm really bringing it up here is just really demonstrating how many various things Walt and the company was focused in during this time and, and all focused on great storytelling. Um, so 60, 1964 was also a banner year for live action. Mary Poppins came to us. Heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did run across an interesting article that was actually written by one of the Sherman Brothers' sons um, talking about Mary Poppins. And it was very interesting, but the one thing that I took from it that I really thought was so profound was he said that, you know, he's watched this movie through different periods of his life, like as a child, then as a young adult, as a father, and then as a grandfather. And he said each time... He got so much more out of the film, you know, and and so it's really showing how that film hits such a broad spectrum of connections with people, and and it's still to this day, yeah, a beloved film. As going back to another episode, a classic episode of ours, um, we went. This was right before Mary Poppins Returns mm-hmm. came out. We were lucky enough to go to a screening of the original Mary Poppins mm-hmm. at the Walt Disney Studios. Right. and In the theater built for them. In the theater for, yes. And we um, had to do our own episode, just kind of a look back at Mary Poppins mm-hmm. after 
screening it again and having not seen it uh i i don't remember if we owned it or not but we had not watched it in several years because this was obviously before disney plus Mm -hmm. and it wasn't on regularly so going back and seeing it on a big screen which i had never done right and um going through and 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 enjoying the story again as an adult and and taking in Mm -hmm. all the different aspects of it uh we had to go back and and explore it and um and discuss how interesting it was and how it affected us differently. I think as it did when we were, when we were younger watching it the last time. So, um, so I can see why that, you know, that is true that at different stages in your life, you would see the movie in a different way. Right. You know, I mean, and it was also very unique too, that it, again, and we found, you know, this is exemplified in the movie, saving Mr. Banks, that the movie was really, storytelling about a father which was not a common storytelling theme at that time Mm -hmm. you know very very cool so and and also you know another thing i i think we found out in that episode the more you know that yes mary poppins is of course the lead character and Mm -hmm. the character that the show is named after but uh you know how much dick van dyke and his role um takes a big portion of this and and is the one that kind of breaks through to mr banks right exactly uh, near the end that was one of our big revelations in there it's like you know this is the thing that finally sets mr banks right on the right path realizing where he may have been yeah you know focused on the wrong things right right yes exactly no that's a very good point forgot about that excelente um, so we're talking 1964 behind the scenes. It was also another secret project, big project that was taking up a lot of Walt and Roy's attention. And that was what was eventually announced as the Florida, the Florida project, which eventually became obviously Walt Disney world. Um, yeah. And again, I, I keep, I think we're just referencing other episodes throughout this. Uh, we have another one. This was when we were doing our Walt Disney World 50 series, mm-hmm. I believe, when right. we, uh, Michelle broke down a lot of the behind the behind the scenes stuff and what was going on as they were developing the Florida project during that time period. Right. Yeah. Like how they even like acquired the land. And I, I guess I really should have had all these episode numbers ready to go. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, but they're easy to find if you just go through our archives and check them out if you have not already listened to them or if you want to revisit them again. Well, thank you, honey. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I think this decade was a pivotal one for so many different things for sure. that we did episodes on. Like you said, the, the Disney World anniversary, 50th anniversary, the World's Fair, you know, there were a lot of things um, that connected into this decade. Um, and that's why when I was preparing it, I was like, oh, I got to make sure I'm not being repetitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it, it, I, I'm hoping it's not coming across as disjointed. I just kind of want to show the flow and really emphasize all these different avenues of storytelling that Walt took advantage of. For sure. But uh, and you're doing a great job. Well, thank as you, you. always do. <laughs> So uh, around that same time, moving on to 1965, Disneyland was going to be celebrating its first decade of being open. Um, In fact, in January of 1965, uh, the, the show that was the weekly show that was now called The Wonderful World of Color aired a Disneyland 10th anniversary. And you can see that now on Disney Plus. You can Mm -hmm. also catch Rolly Crumpet on it, too. Nice. It's a good time to do that. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and at that time, at that 10th anniversary, uh, actually more in the month of the anniversary, um, two additions to the park were uh, opened, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which obviously was transported from the World's Fair, and the Plaza Restaurant, which actually had the design significantly um, impacted by Lillian, who had a lot mm, to say mm-hmm. in, in that. Um, those were, and then Walt also informed the press that plans for Disneyland over the next three years uh, amount to more than three times the original investment. Uh, he announced that in 1966, New Orleans Squares would, would open, um, Small World would be coming in, and that Tomorrowland was going to be significantly updated. Yeah. All, it, all, all of those direct um, from the World's Fair. Right. Right. So, you know, just showing that Walt, you know, had that in his mind, three years of more things coming, you know, so, um, you know, but to to me, you know, some of my takeaway from that is it just how impressive Walt was in guiding the company, you know, with so many different things. He had big dreams, big ideas. He encouraged others to bring them to life. Um, so it, it wasn't really surprising to hear that in uh, on January 1st of 1966, Walt was actually honored as the Grand Marshal for the Tournament of Roses yeah, Parade. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he obviously had some impact of having the company represented in that parade, kind of being along with the theme, you know, setting up the theme for that. Um, but as I mentioned at the start, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Yeah, I've been dreading decade. this portion of it because I knew what was coming. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, sadly, that year ended at the end of the year in December where Walt did pass away. However, being the incredible storyteller that he was, um, the staff really had amazing direction from him. They could see that his vision too. He was, he, if it took him acting it out, he would. Um, and because of that, despite his passing, they were very committed to seeing those things through. Um, and, and there were some tremendous successes in 1967. The jungle book was released, um, in 1970, the aristocrats came out, um, aristocrats, Aristocats. (laughs) I'm having a tough time today. (laughs) Um, you've you've said a lot to tell you, I understand. I don't talk nearly as much as you do in some of these episodes, and my tongue gets tied all the time. <laughs> You're so kind, honey. Um, but both of those showing that the company could still make animated movies and be successful. Um, from the live-action film, The Love Bug came out in 1969, and I was surprised to find out that that was the highest-grossing film of that year. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good old Herbie. I know. Always the underdog, winning these races and winning at the box office as well. Right? Um, Prior to his passing, Disney had begun work on educational films and materials in a big way. And that continued so that in 1969, they actually developed an educational subsidiary for the company. So, um, So although there was tremendous feelings of sadness throughout the company, um, as I mentioned they had already been given a lot of direction of what Walt wanted to see happen. And as uh, Raleigh mentions in his book, he said, Walt had a way of seeing a project completely from all angles, as well as the big picture. 
And so he shared those in detail with his teams and then he would let them take over. You know, he just like, here it is. I've planted the seed. Now you take over. Um, And so that's probably why they were able to continue their efforts because they really had a clear vision of that. Yeah, I think, and you mentioned it earlier, how Walt was kind of looking three or more years ahead of what was to come. And, you know, obviously, unfortunately, it was a sad day. It's still sad to this day that we Mm -hmm. lost Walt so early on, way too early, way or more early than uh, should have ever happened. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's sad and it's unfortunate, but it kind of, the fact that he was such a forward thinker that he was always putting things in place for three, four, five, ten years in advance, right. it kind of gave the company a guidebook and how they could move past this, even though it was such a sad moment and a little bit moment of disarray within the company. Right. Of how are we going to survive this without uh, our, our, the creative mind, the inspiration right. behind this all, um, they were able to move forward and make a lot of his dreams still come to fruition through the next two years. Now there were, you're going to be able to see, I think as we move on through this, where we get into the seventies and maybe the early eighties. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, when, once that forward thinking got a little, right already past that point there maybe there was a little bit more turmoil in trying to figure it all out but at least here they could rally behind Walt's concepts right. and make them happen and exactly. make him live on uh, throughout the parks. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, continue considering his style was to really make sure they had a clear understanding of what he wanted and then letting them take over and manage it. Although his presence was missed the day to day was kind of like that for mm-hmm. them. So I, 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 like you said, for those, you know, several years after he passed away, um, they, they were able to continue that momentum without him there. Um, but another interesting story, um, Rolly described was the, re, uh, reopening of Tomorrowland, which, you know, while at the 10th anniversary said Tomorrowland's going to be, you know, really expanded on, uh, and he, he, he shared a story, Rolly did that on that morning before the park was opening, he was standing by the ribbon that was going to be cut for the grand opening. And he said at that moment, he realized it was the last project that he was going to be working on that Walt was actually mm. involved in. And he said that was the saddest day of his career. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, you know, and so just to summarize, cause I don't want this to be sad, but, um, to, to recognize with the history of this company and storytelling, how Walt played such a, a pivotal role in that, obviously. Um, and there's so many amazing and inspirational quotes that came out after, um, Walt passed away, but I just wanted to share one. Uh, it was actually an internal communication by, um, Disneyland vice president, Joe Fowler. And he said, Now each of us is left with a great responsibility and an obligation. I'm trying to do this without crying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Disneyland was a very special place to Walt, but Disneyland is also a very special place to all people who come here. As long as we continue to carry out our responsibility and obligations to the public, Disneyland will always be Walt's dream come true, a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. (laughs) And so... I think, you know, in reflecting back, it, you know, we know Walt was an incredible storyteller, but his legacy, obviously, I know it goes without saying, but it's just playing a role for generations and generations to come 
that we have moments of pixie dust and magic in the world. Yeah, and it lives on every day, yeah. just like you say. Every day you visit the parks, every day you watch one of those movies, you get on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, what Walt put in place is still there. It still right. exists, and uh, you can still revisit Walt in many ways, you know, and, and, and feel what he brought this company just by doing any of those things. You can do it at home. You can right. go to the parks. Right. Listen to the music. It's all still there because of this great man. Right. You know, and as much as, yes, there are things that one could criticize about the company or any company, um, they are still, you know, continuing that legacy of bringing talented people together to make the best experiences and to keep that that fantasy alive. 100%. So, very good, Michelle. Great job. Thank you. Looking back at mostly a little bit of the 50s, but mostly the 1960s yes. of the Walt Disney Company as we do our Disney at 100 series. Uh, what are we going to be looking at next year or next uh, time we do this next month? Next month, we're going to be looking at the 70s. And as you mentioned, I think you've hit it. It's, you know, one of the really big challenging times of the company and and how to reacclimate their visions with a different leader. Yeah, uh, looking forward to that one because that's going to be interesting. That was a, yeah, as I, I mentioned already, is a mm -hmm. fascinating time within the company when things were really up in the air. Uh, but as we know, they, they persevered through right. it all. Right. So very good. Michelle's research, <laughs> always the best research. Thanks again for listening to our Disney at 100 series. Great job again, Michelle. Thank I always, I, this one I learned a ton more than, I mean, I learn every single time, but this one I learned a, a ton more and you, you always have such a great job. Thank you. you. I hope it was interesting. It was interesting. It was fascinating and I learned a lot. So, and I hope uh, the listeners out there did as well. So let's go ahead and get to the Disney stories of the week. I do have a few for you this week, uh, mostly all revolving around the Walt Disney World Resort. A lot of information was released this week. Uh, this from the Disney Parks blog, they started with uh, a few new chances to meet some of your favorite characters that are coming to the Walt Disney World Resort. They say just in time for the 25th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park, Moana from the hit Walt Disney Animation Studios film will greet fellow voyagers on Discovery Island for the first time beginning on April 22nd. So that's coming up yeah, pretty soon. Pretty soon that's, yeah. that's very fun. Um, uh, that will be a great photo opportunity. Oh, yeah. Moana's a favorite in our house. Right. And I know a favorite in a lot of people's houses exactly, out there. Exactly, yeah. Uh, later this summer, and this is really cool too, guests will get the chance to hug longtime Epcot icon Figment at the Imagination <laughs> Pavilion. Talk about, I can just see the line for that one. Oh the queue God. is going to be Incredible. super long yes, for yes. that one because Figment is going to be a big hit. I have no doubt. going to be lightly mean. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. And this is one I think we'll be involved with because this is one of our favorite newer movies. This fall, Mirabelle from Disney Animation uh, Academy Award winning film Encanto will meet guests at the Fairytale Garden at Magic Kingdom which will be transformed into with whimsical decor inspired La Familia 
Madrigal. Nice. Yeah, so that would be fun. I'm yeah. glad that I, I know that uh, Mirabel has been um, greeting guests at the Disneyland Resort for a while mm-hmm. now. Finally, she's going to be making that appearance out at Walt Disney World, yeah. and that's going to be um, big for a lot of people out yeah, there. Glad they're flying her out there. Yes, yes. For sure. So, uh, speaking of Epcot, if you've uh, if you've been there over the last few years, well, you know very well there's been a lot of construction going on, uh, especially around the World Celebration and World Nature area of the parks. Well, they say get ready because it will all be completed later this year. That's good news. It seems like it's Yay. been so long, and I think it really has been so it long been, because yeah. of various reasons. But I'm glad that that's finally going to get uh, completed later on this year. Uh, Journey of Water, inspired by Moana, will debut this fall in World Nature. And they say this self-guided exploration trail will take you through the natural water cycle from the skies to oceans and all the way back again. Just like Moana, you're encouraged to become a protector and a friend to our natural resources. We we keep seeing as we go by and the monorail mm-hmm. is entering Epcot, it seems like they're getting more and more done, like it's taking shape every single day. Right. I love that they're doing education entertainment um mm-hmm. and also that it's it's something that can be of interest again broad spectrum of ages you know for kids they'll see the fun things related to a character that they know um you know but there's also some fun learnings that we're gonna yeah. have uh it looks really cool and yeah. i'm looking forward to experiencing that uh very soon for sure uh, also communicore hall will also open in world celebration later this year it, they say it will be the center of festival programming throughout the park uh the dynamic exhibition space will transform with each festival throughout the year playing with light shapes and reflections the architecture of this building was designed by walt disney imagineering to celebrate the legacy of epcot and the original communicore buildings yeah the, the um concept art looks great yeah it does bit. they have a little bit of concept art of kind of like the uh, festival of the arts and how you know yeah. there was a lot of paint splashes and all sorts right. of interesting things to kind of uh, bring that to life so i, I love that uh, it would also be the new ho- a home for a new a character greeting location called Mickey and Friends, where you'll be able to meet Mickey Mouse and some of his best pals in this colorful space. That's cool. Always looking yeah. for more ways to meet the mouse himself exactly. and all of their friends. And Minnie, of course, our favorite Minnie. Uh, Epcot will also be the host of the Disney 100 celebration at Walt Disney World Resort to commemorate this monumental milestone later this year. They say they'll have a whole bunch of new experiences to check out and uh, you'll be watching Spaceship Earth illuminate the evenings with a special lighting design. I know it's already lit and doing pretty cool things but right. i'm glad to hear that they're doing even more to bring that because that's like it's it's its own attraction just to sit out there right. and watch the new shows and the lights and right. everything it's fascinating to, it to check out it uh, spaceship earth i mean i love how they incorporate the sound along with the lights and it's just like you said it's an attraction it, it can be mesmerizing mm-hmm. also as we mentioned earlier you'll be able to take that picture with mickey and minnie mouse in their platinum attire nice. and uh they will have that sculpture i think of somebody we were talking about just within our main topic this day you know i mean it'll be the walt sculpture that's going to be coming to life there soon so that'll be coming as well and that's exciting uh but here was the biggest news i think out of it although we knew this was coming a new nighttime spectacular will debut at epcot later this year inviting everyone to gather around world showcase lagoon for a show that will unite us through commonalities of the heart in a dazzling display of fireworks lasers music and light featuring 
featuring an original composition along with select songs from the Disney songbook, this new spectacular will remind us that we're more alike than different, connecting our hearts together as one. That's what they're saying. And there Love was a little theme. bit of very early concept art of it, but right. it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Yeah, I for sure. I just for know sure. it. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, um, yes, the barges, well, I think well, many of us will be happy that the, the barges are moving on. Right. I'm looking at you, Justin Monorail. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Harmonious was a, a, a very good show, a yeah. very beloved show. So to be taking that away and replacing it with something, you know, they, they got to really hit it out of the park. Right, so right, I think exactly. they will. Yeah. I, I have high hopes that they will with this new show, and I'm looking forward to checking it out for sure. Over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, they'll be celebrating another big anniversary as well. Earth Day will be this wonderful Park's 25th year anniversary. Can you believe it? Oh, wow. Yeah. They say that since it opened on April 22nd, 1998, this one-of-a-kind theme park has offered awe-inspiring animal encounters, thrilling attractions, and larger-than-life musical stage shows. This April, there will be new ways to join in the celebration for Earth Day and this milestone, including new sweet and savory treats, specialty merchandise, and limited-time character sightings at the park. There will be even more surprises on April 22nd when the park officially turns 25th. We were there a couple of years ago. On yeah. Earth Day when it was celebrating. I think it was either 22 or 23 years old. I think right. it was 23 when But I we think it was a, a big Earth Day, like of Earth Day, I think. Yeah, not so much for the, the park, park, but for but Earth yeah, Day in a, general. Yeah, right. it was a milestone for Earth Day. And yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah. It was so fun. Very fun. Very fun. Uh, over at Disney Springs, they've got some stuff coming as well. A stunning new restaurant is set to open in late 2023. Summer House on the Lake, which they say embodies a breezy beach house vibe that will pair perfectly with the sweeping views of Lake Buena Vista. You'll be able to enjoy California-inspired menu featuring simple, sustainable ingredients from pizza and pasta to fresh salads and sandwiches. Plus, you can save at the restaurant's exclusive Summer House Rosé. Oh, now you're speaking our language right there. <laughs> Along with a selection of wine, beer, handcrafted cocktails, and non-alcoholic drinks. And those of you that have a sweet tooth will be delighted to hear about the Cookie Jar, <laughs> a dessert-focused market within this space, serving up freshly baked cookies and house-made pastries. Nice. Yes. A lot of yum there. A lot of yum there. Finally, over at Magic Kingdom, we already talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, of course. Tron Light Cycle Run will be opening on April 4th. However, what? what? you may get the chance to check it out even earlier because they will be having a soft opening that's taking nice. place beginning this Monday, March 20th through Sunday, April 2nd. So you'll have another opportunity if you happen to be taking a trip out to the parks during that pretty uh, cool, time of Pretty year. cool, yeah. And you could do it through the My Disney app. Yeah, so uh, here's how you can do it. Uh, you can take a crack at accessing this attraction either through the uh, virtual queue or you could purchase an individual lightning lane. Uh, you don't need to have Genie Plus to do that. You, right. know, you can do that uh, individually. Uh, however, if you want to try and go the, you know, not needing to put a little extra money out there, you can try that virtual queue. Like Michelle said, you just need to be part of the My Disney Experience app. You do have to have valid 
Magic Kingdom. Well, right. You have to have a valid theme park admission and then a valid Magic Kingdom reservation for that day. Right. Uh, but then you don't need to be in the park at 7 a.m. You can just go through the My Disney Experience app and take your chance at one of those virtual queues for it. Or if you know, there'll be a second chance at 1 p.m. However, you will need to be in the park at that point to try for that one. Now note, this is a soft opening, so they won't be giving out quite as many virtual queue spots right. as they would or as they will be probably April 4th or beyond. So they may go very, very yeah. quickly. So you're <laughs> going to want to be on the ball for this. But uh, that does give you your possibility of right, getting into the grid a yeah, little bit earlier. Little early, Cool. Yeah. Yes. So happy they're doing that. Yeah. So uh, that will be a lot of fun. Uh, there will be a spot right by the attraction to pick up some treats uh, straight from the grid as well. Ooh. Energy Bites is the name <laughs> of the kiosk. It will be serving up some tasty eats and sips for you to grab, drawing inspiration from the futuristic environment around you. Whether you're looking for some breakfast bites, savory snacks, sweet treats, or refreshing beverages, this new spot will soon become a go-to pit stop as you venture into the world of Tomorrowland. There's a few other things that I'll be offering there. Chocolate cake donut holes all over Got that me there yep, yep topped with mocha sauce uh if you're looking for something a little more on the savory side for lunch uh buffalo chicken and beef and broccoli digital dumplings Ooh, i love that I love yeah. yeah and if you want another type of kind of sweet things to top it all off they'll have a strawberry isoform which is the ultimate refreshing treat with the sweetness of the strawberry ice cream mochi, graham crackers, and even a little bit of cheesecake foam to finish it off. That all sounds great. Yeah, I can't wait to try the food. And they also have some Joffrey's coffee there. And as I mentioned, some other wonderful little beverages, right. refreshing beverages for you as well. And of course, uh, with Tron opening up, uh, you know there's going to be merchandise to go along <laughs> with it. Yep. So when the attraction opens on April 4th, it will be initially be within a pop-up shop uh, directly located directly across Cross from the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor in Tomorrowland, so I believe okay. that's going to be where the uh, formerly the Alien Encounter right. and then the um, the Stitch right. uh, Escape with Stitch or whatever it was called was going to be. So you can probably find that over there. Uh, they say they'll even offer an opportunity to customize and program an action figure and and get an identity chip that can be used to reprogram other merchandise, such as the interactive identity discs and remote control life cycles. Uh, this will be something that you have to pay to do. Uh, reservations for this interactive experience can be made beginning on March 21st by visiting the Walt Disney World website. So uh, kind of like, I think it's going to be like uh, at Batu building a lightsaber right. yeah. or the Droid Depot. Um, where this is going to be experienced that is going to be very immersive that you can get involved yeah. with as you build these so cool. personalized action figures. Yeah, yeah. Look, that, that actually sounds a lot of fun. To yeah, me. it yeah. does. Uh, but a lot of the merchandise, I, I, I can't talk about everything that's on there, but if you go to the Disney Parks blog website, it's all there. So much good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to perusing that when we get out there right, for right, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Finally, I saved the best for last. Yes, Happily Ever After, we all know it returns on April 3rd. And they, yes, will be offering dessert party options, which yes. we are really looking into coming up here in the next few yeah. weeks. Yeah. And they'll be offering three different types of these dessert party options, just as, as they are kind of right now. Right. Uh, there is the pre-party where you the desserts are first, and then you could watch the show in a reserved standing area. Or the post-party where you go and stand in that reserved area, and then go for your sweet treats afterwards. And they also have the seats and sweets party 
party where you can enjoy the yummy stuff and then sit on the restaurant's patio to enjoy the show right from your table there. So uh, pick which one is right for you. Reservations open this Thursday, March 23rd for anything uh, within the next 60 days. And after that, it'll be within your 60 day window uh, for anything after that. So I know we will be online on morning of March 23rd because we are very excited for yes. Happily Ever After. We talked about it weeks ago in our music that inspires our 2023 that Happily Ever After was such a huge part of that. Right. Well, Believe me, we're not going to be there on opening day, but we are going to be there as soon as we possibly can afterward and check it out. And because of Michelle's vertically challenged issues, (laughs) sometimes the dessert party works best for us. Plus, we like our our little sweets and treats around that wonderful show. Yeah, yeah. We've we've enjoyed dessert parties. Well, we've done the fireworks there, dessert party there, and, you know, obviously over at Disneyland. Yeah, we've done World of Color. We've done, um, we did Epcot Forever. Right, right, um, yeah. yeah, So so we've done several of those. So Always enjoy them. We will be enjoying those for sure. Now, also, uh, this just came over across just a little bit ago as we're recording this episode uh disney vacation club announces a star wars galactic star cruiser member voyage where dvc members that you know are are they have you have to have the ability to use their membership extra so that means Mm -hmm. you you bought enough points from From disney Disney. directly from dvc directly you can save 30 percent on a member exclusive voyage that's happening from august 19th through the 21st 2023 Uh, registration for that event begins on march 21st of 2023 at 11 a.m eastern time so know that going in you can get involved in that Uh, also i see i guess they they say in it they're going to have some special gifts for the members afterwards so not only are you going to get to go on this wonderful trip at a discounted rate but you're going to get some extra bonus stuff out of it when you leave uh the halcyon uh so here again as i mentioned the fine print you must be uh, eligible for membership extras uh you can only purchase a maximum of three cash per membership so you know if you're bringing a big group well you might one you must have a lot of money even at the discounted <laughs> rate you must have a ton of money to be able to afford three cabins uh, but know that going in uh, also this you can either use points or cash for this. I think in the past you've had to use points for at this, least at for, least for half for of at it. At least for one. This sounds possibly. like you can use cash strictly wow. to purchase That's this one. Impressive. So pretty interesting. It had us thinking a little bit, but unfortunately it, it falls right between a uh, right around some dates where we already have uh, a cruise planned right. and destination. As we mentioned earlier, we did right. get our tickets to destination D23. Right. That's right after that. <laughs> so I don't know if we could also put this in in there yeah Yeah. trying to make all this time off but boy again another thing i thought about for a hot second for sure yeah yeah no it it definitely i mean we've seen we've never been on the member cruises that are on disney cruise we want to desperately for the dvc yeah dvc member cruises um but we've heard so many great things about them how they have gifts there and they're great special experiences experiences. Yeah. yeah so um if you're a DVC member and you have this opportunity, you might really want to think about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 30% off. That is a huge chunk right. off that. I mean, I know it's still expensive, even right. with that 30% off, but that is a huge chunk off right. the price. Right. So yeah, it's something to, know to you're definitely think about. you're going to have something about. more unique. For sure. Too. For yeah. sure. So that's it for the Disney stories of the week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle because she's awesome, wonderful, <laughs> all things great. 
you heard it a little bit earlier. She has the best research. You know she has the best lists, but she definitely has the very best tips. So let's get to it. Here's Michelle's tip of the week. Oh, you're just so kind. So my tip um, was something I had heard about, but I didn't want to bring it up until I could confirm it. And we did just confirm it recently. And if you want to document your biggest wish at Walt Disney World, there is a special secret book that you can write your wish in. And it's inside Pinocchio House, which is that little uh, um, quick service restaurant adjacent to It's a Small World. Um, But it's really cool. It's pretty neat. And, you know, it's it's a simple thing. But, you know, it could be great for adults. It could be great for your kids to to let them go in and write on the page what their wish is. So. Mm. There you go. That's something out there. Maybe the wish will come true, as they often do at the Walt Disney World Resort, for sure. Yes. Michelle's tip, always the best tip. (laughs) And it's definitely going to be the best tip this week, because I have to admit it, I was slacking this week. I do not have a tip for this week, except for my good old standby. It's starting to get warm again. (laughs) It's going to get hot again. Be sure you're hydrating when you're going to the parks. And hydrate every day in your life, because it's just a good thing for you. Very good, honey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I'm slacking. I apologize. That's yeah, right. I was doing the taxes all this week. I took up all my time. We had some that tricky stuff with the taxes this week, but it all worked out. Good it guess. all worked out. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week's show. Next week, well, you know what it is? What? It's our 250th episode. Really? Official 250th episode. We've done some other things. If you count them on there, it looks right. like we're more than 250. But this is going to be the two official 250th episode. So how are we going to celebrate 250 episodes? I don't know, honey. How? We're going to do it with a music episode yeah. because we know you love our music-based episodes. And I think Michelle had a topic on there that I was going to go with originally. But the more I was thinking about it, mm. instead of thinking about my tip, apparently... <laughs> I was thinking about, let's go ahead and do our five favorite celebration Disney songs. All right. Yeah, since we're celebrating 250 episodes here, let's go ahead and make our songs that are all about celebration. I like it, honey. Good deal. And we'd, of course, love to know your favorites as well. Send them to us through the Gmail account, through social media, whatever it is, and we will share them on our upcoming show. Fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. So as for today's show, we appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. So the very best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Also, we are on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Of course, come on over and join us for some good positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. We are also on YouTube. If you want to find us there, we're at Hyperion adventures podcast or just do a quick search for hyperion adventures podcast either way hit subscribe and you'll know whenever we have a new video and if you ever want to contact us for any reason please hit us up at our gmail account hyperion adventures podcast at gmail.com and if you'd like to help us out in this podcast which we always appreciate uh please just tell a family member or friend to listen in right for sure by the way you may have noticed in this week's episode i did not mention our picks are the winners in the first couple rounds of the brackets. We will be doing that next week. That's because we've kind of extended the deadline for you to get those brackets in, giving you more opportunities to get your picks in. So you'll have now until 11.59 p.m. on the 24th. 
fourth. Right, Friday. Yes, and we will be going over the first couple rounds, getting us at least through to the Sweet 16 in our picks yeah. for next week during next week's show. It's going to be a jam-packed show Woo-hoo. next week. <laughs> fun, fun. Fun, fun. <laughs> That's my new line today. Fun, yes. fun. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. Until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.